From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five to thirty miles on. Foot like lead, nerves like steel, wild ride when it's taking the always wondered what motivates someone to be the other woman, why they knowingly choose to be with someone who already has a partner, or just maybe, have you been the other woman yourself? Welcome to Love Etc. We are your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today on the show, we're talking to a woman who has been the other woman. It can be really easy to demonize a person for knowingly dating someone who is in a relationship. After all, doesn't it just come down to values, we think? But of course, the world isn't as simple as that. So today we're talking to a woman called Michelle, yes, a different Michelle, who just happened to fall in love as she entered the police force with a man who had a girlfriend. Michelle, let's start at the very beginning. You entered the New South Wales Police Force and it had been a dream of yours for an incredibly long time. When you entered the academy, what was the culture like there? Like explain it to people who might not understand what it's like to enter the police force and how intense those early months are. So the early months, are, it's full of emotion, as you can imagine. Like for majority or everyone who gets into the police force, it's something that they've dreamt about for so long. So you're so excited, but... There's so many hurdles that you have to jump at the same time. Like you have assessments every week and there's things that or challenges that you're not normally doing. And you're also going through it. It's like a 32-week process, just the training process. And 32 weeks. Yeah, it's a long time, a very long time. And you're just doing this with a bunch of strangers. Like you're thrown into this experience with people that you've never met before and you just get close extremely quickly. Like you're spending eight hours a day, five days a week with each other. So you get close really, really quickly. Do you think an aspect of it that contributes to that closeness is like the physical aspect that you're all pushed to your absolute limit and you're put under quite a big mental strain as well when you are training that you either bond together or you lose really? Yeah, definitely. Like it's definitely more of a team environment and it's they drum it into you at the start that you know one goal in this should be that you start together and you end together so you want to see everyone get over those challenges and get over those assessments and those hurdles and it is like you're all supporting each other but also it's a obviously a weird experience to explain as well Mm. like people at home don't really understand it unless you're in it like you're pretty much an adult but you're put back into a school environment. So it's really hard to explain. And do they give you kind of confronting tasks at the start or do they ease you into those kinds of things? Because the nature of your job is incredibly confronting. Is the training for that kind of a real bonding experience too? Yeah, so the first 12 weeks in particular is a lot of the law that you're learning. So it is very study-driven. So not just those eight hours a day that you're spending with each other, in the classroom then you're staying back and you're studying as well and you're testing each other and just also you know spending every minute of every day with each other you start to learn each other's little quirks and get to know someone really quickly just because you're almost forced to. (laughs) 
It's so interesting. And like to be in that environment, it must feel quite insular in that you can't go outside and really relate what's happening back to your mum and dad or your siblings or your best friends. Like you guys only understand it within each other. Yeah, definitely. You meet Tom Mm -hmm. in your squad. It was 25 people. Is that correct? Yeah, about 25 people from memory. So I met him obviously on day one. You meet everyone. It was at the start he was someone that I couldn't imagine myself even being friends with. He was, he sort of had this confidence about him where I had never personally experienced that before, but also hadn't really been surrounded by before. And he is, I guess, a bit of a lad to stereotype a little bit. But I remember going home day one and he was the one person where I was a little bit iffy on and just wasn't again couldn't picture myself being friends with him and then on day two I went in trying to make a conscious effort to sort of get to know him just purely based on the fact that I didn't like the idea of hating someone. Were you intimidated by him? A little bit I think just again that confidence is something that I have never experienced before myself and have never been surrounded by and so I was a little bit intimidated by him. He definitely Stole the room a little bit, I think. And he was older than you, wasn't he? Yeah, he was 29. And you were 23, 24? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's quite a big age gap. Did you feel that when you first met? Did you feel that difference? Or once you actually got to know him, you just clicked? Once I got to know him, I didn't feel that at all. He was definitely a lot more immature than 29, probably more around the maturity level that I was at. It's often the way, no offence. <laughs> yes, <laughs> classic sort of boys taking a little bit longer to grow up, I guess. But again, he just sort of gave out, like if you can imagine that typical sort of lad vibe, that was him and he definitely didn't seem 29 at all. Definitely didn't feel like that. So aside from the boyish elements of his personality, what drew you to him? What did you really like? I think at the start I loved just our friendship. At the start it was purely that friendship that I had never had before where well, I've obviously had it with my girlfriends, but not with a guy before where I just could be my complete self. And he would teach me, well, he would always be laughing at himself and that encouraged me to laugh at myself. And we were just having so much banter and so much fun in a time where it was a lot of pressure and it was, you know, a full on environment. And he just brought this lighter side to it. So talk us through the day-to-day. You're spending all your time together, not just because you have to, but because you choose to, right? Like what what were the things that drew you really close? I think at the start, like you're obviously still getting to know each other, but in an environment like that where there's 25 of you or however many there was, you it's just natural to go off in groups as well. So although you're friends with everyone and you're nice to everyone and you all get along, you're also off in your little groups as well and so Tom and I drew close to each other and spent a lot of that time together and it would just before classes even started it was going up to get a coffee together or even just little things like messaging you know where are you here yet or just always like knowing where each other was. Who was instigating this like was it him reaching out to you every morning saying let's go get a coffee before we begin or was it 50 50 who was the main driver behind this connection? To be honest, I think it was 50-50. A lot of that is a bit of a blur, if I'm honest. It all just sort of blends into one. But 
at the time it did feel 50-50. And at the time, did you ever feel attracted to him? I mean, I know that it was a platonic friendship at this point, but did you ever stop to go, "Mm, he is like a bit of me and that I don't mind the way he looks and that I am maybe feeling something more than a friendship? I think I probably never admitted it. Looking back, it was definitely something that maybe those feelings were there. But again, I had a lot of faith in our friendship and it was something that I had never experienced before with a male, that friendship, that natural sort of friendship where you could just completely be yourself. And I don't think I really admitted it to myself at the start. It was something that maybe I felt deep down, but I never, again, never really admitted it to myself. But also I had a lot of faith in our friendship and it was something that, again, I hadn't really experienced before. And it was never, I assumed it was never blurry just because he obviously had a girlfriend and on Instagram and the socials it all seemed very happy days. It all seemed Mm. like the highlight reel and it was something that I didn't think was blurry on his side so why would it be blurry on my side? Did people notice the bond between you? Did people make comment on it? Yeah, definitely. As I was sort of saying, that squad environment, it can be like going back to school. So there were people that definitely made comments and it was more of a joking sort of way. So people would say, you know, the married couple or things like that. But again, it wasn't something that really crossed my mind. Like it was more just, you know, he has a girlfriend and that's that. It wasn't something that I would consider just because, you know, it's not it's not right. Let's be real, it's not right. But all my um, friends that, my girlfriends in the squad, they would ask me, they would be like, are you, you know, how do you feel about Tom? What's, you know, what's going on here? And again, I would just explain to them that, you know, he has a girlfriend and that's the end, really. There's nothing more to say. How much was the girlfriend discussed between you both? Did you know how long they had been together by the point that you met? And did he speak about her affectionately or did he not speak about her at all? In the early days, it wasn't something that we probably discussed together. It was more just in conversation with our friends. The group, so when I was hanging out with Tom, there was also, you know, it was more of a boys sort of group as well. And so I did like, you know, they would talk like boys would talk and it would just seem like they were happy and this was sort of the direction that they were going and that, you know, the jokes with like one day he'll put a ring on it and whatnot. Well, I mean, he's 29, so it's quite natural for people to be pushing for that, right? Yeah, definitely. Did you ever think to go look at the girlfriend's social media profiles? Did you ever take an interest in her at this point? Because I can imagine the average person probably would go and do a bit of a stalk. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Like, we're only human. And yeah, I would stalk his page and then stalk her page. And again, it just looked like the highlights reel. And I know I said, like I say, it's a highlights reel, but it also just looked like their normal life as well. Like it looked, it appeared as though they were really happy. Tell us about the night that things changed a little bit for you two. So the night where things became a bit blurry for us was when we were both going through some difficult times in life outside of the academy or life outside of work. And we were all out as a squad and all just, you know, having fun and letting loose as you do. And then I remember him messaging me and being like, as in messaging me when I'm right next to him being like, let's go get food and thinking there's food here, like let's stay with the group. And 
looking back, it was probably not to put him in a manipulative sort of light, but maybe it was a way to sort of get me alone. But again, at the time, I just didn't consider it like that. It was, you know, he's my friend. And then I remember we were sort of sitting at like this higher top table and it got to the stage in our friendship where we just knew all those little quirks about each other and he he used to do this thing with his leg and he'd sort of got like a jittery sort of leg and I could feel something under the table and I thought it was like his leg just being nerves but he was trying to grab my hand under the table and I just went along with it and then I remember we were sort of bar hopping a bit and we ended up getting away from the group and that was the first time where we did cross that line and he, we kissed that night and then that night I remember going home and it it felt like I had kissed my best friend in the best way possible, I guess. It's not something that I'm proud of but I did, like it did feel good but it also came with a lot of questions and a lot of guilt as well. How long had you known each other by this point? Probably about four months, three months. So did you get that giddiness, rush of excitement feeling after that kiss then? You know that very schoolgirl reaction that we've all had after we've kissed someone that we liked where it's just like you could just burst, you're just so effervescent and bubbly with what's just happened. Was that it for you that it felt like that very romantic, exciting crush feeling? Yeah, of course. It definitely felt like that. And I think it comes back to like that day one experience where he was a little bit intimidating and again, someone that... I wouldn't imagine having a friendship with but also never imagine having that intimate sort of relationship with either and almost like he's out of reach and a little bit out of my league. So what happens after that? Do you talk about what happened? Do you keep kissing? Do you say that this is never going to happen again? Like what did you do with that kiss? So with that kiss we took the same Uber home and there was a lot of questioning whether he would come inside or not. Oh. Um, and it was something that I, I guess, it was we- a weird experience. Like all of a sudden my head just sort of kicked in and it was like, no, this is get in your Uber and go home. And then when I got inside, he called me and we we were never, like communication was never something that we weren't good at. Like we would always speak about it. Looking back now, I guess hindsight, you question what was real and what was not real in terms of if what he was saying was he just saying that in the moment or was he really feeling that or you just sort of question the motives behind it but we definitely did speak about it. What was he saying to you that you wonder now if it was real? So that first night he kept repeating things saying that like I'm a breath of fresh air and I guess that's when the truth came out from his side about him and his girlfriend and his relationship and he was stating that he wasn't necessarily as happy as what he had led on to be and that I was just this sort of breath of fresh air and there was no drama when it came to me and all these sort of compliments but not compliments if that makes sense but again it was a lot of still a lot of questions like he wasn't really that like pinpointing what he wanted and for me it was it felt like I had just kissed my best friend and this was maybe something that because he was leading on saying that he wasn't necessarily happy with his girlfriend, I I guess a little part of me assumed that this is the path that we would go down now. 
Coming up after the break, Michelle talks about the guilt and shame involved in being the other woman. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. Zara, now that Love Etc. listeners have made the first move and signed up for Bumble, we're here to help you all make your profiles as awesome as possible. Whether you're looking for a date or a new friend, your profile has to stand out. Absolutely right, Mish. Actually, Bumble has five top tips to making your profile stand out ahead of the rest. The first is to choose a profile photo where you are smiling with no sunglasses on. While photos with your friends are great for your other photos, Bumble has found that users have more success when their first profile image is just of them. Bumble also says users have more success with unedited, natural photos over heavily edited ones. No surprise there, Zara. And that populating your profile blurb is a surefire step to get you some more great matches. And if you're a straight guy who's looking for a date with a woman, ask a question in your profile blurb so that your matches have an easy conversation starter to begin with. Don't forget to be yourself and be open about your hobbies and interests and link to your Instagram account too to give matches a deeper insight into who you are. Oh, and Mitch, when I was using Bumble Date, I found it to be pretty handy to be able to pass you my phone and get your opinion on who was a good match for me and who wasn't because I never knew how much I could trust my own judgment. Absolutely. You can get a mate involved and ask for their opinion on who you'd be suited to. Zara, I quite enjoyed doing that for you many, many a time. Now that you're all armed with a few of our favourite profile improvement tips, please do put them to the test. We promise the right swipes will be pouring in. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. Was part of the secretive element of this or the secretive aspect of this exciting? Did that almost add the drama to it or something where between you it was like something that you guys only knew about, you wouldn't tell anyone else and therefore it gave you an extra thing to kind of just have that was yours? Yeah, definitely. Like it was, I guess, our little secret and it was something that we shared together. But at the same time, I think for me personally, and I can't really speak on his behalf, but that secretive side of it was lonely. And it's lonely in that your mind is going a million miles an hour. Like I am an overthinker and I do think a lot about things and spend a lot of time in my mind. But it's something that I could only really speak to him about because I didn't have, I couldn't tell anyone else. So it was lonely in like, you also, you're crushing on this guy, but you don't want to necessarily point out your weaknesses to him either. And I definitely felt weak and I felt lonely in that point. So what happens from here? So you agree it's never going to happen again. It's happened the one time. Does it happen again after that? Yeah, it happened multiple times after that. To be honest, it was something that turned into, I guess, a vicious cycle. So it was the same routine, I guess, every time where we'd have that moment of weakness or we'd stuff up. And then it always seemed to be me reaching out, being like, this is wrong, we shouldn't be doing this. And then he would be the one turning around being like, you know, you're so wise and you always know what to do, rah, rah, rah. So you come close. So you've been kissing for a couple of months is my timeline, right? And then you come closer to graduation. Tell us about the day of graduation. So the day of graduation, you have obviously all your friends and your family come to the academy and celebrate like this incredible milestone together. And I remember him reaching out before the academy stating that he, he didn't want any – he was worried about obviously – his girlfriend was going to be there on the day and so he was worried about how I was going to react or what sort of interaction we would have and I remember saying to him that 
that was not going to be my main concern. Like I was more concerned my parents aren't together. So having my parents in the same room. I can relate to that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It can be overwhelming and it can be very stressful. And obviously that was the main thing on my mind. And so I had no intention of meeting her, probably again in a little bit of denial, but just by chance we happened to be in the hallway. It was weird. He sort of like turned around and then I was walking up and just unintentionally we ran into each other. And I was with another friend at the time and Tom and my other friend were talking and me and that's her name, Tom's girlfriend, I remember her just sort of staring at me and I really questioned whether she knew or not. Do you think she would have been friendlier if she didn't know? Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to say, but I guess it was probably that she didn't even know, to be honest. It was more probably just that guilt coming over me and I really did feel like a deer in the headlights and I don't know, I don't hide a lot on my face. So if she didn't know, maybe she had a hunch after... I want to say meeting me but again he didn't even introduce us it was his main focus was with the friend that I was with and then we all went our separate ways and we never officially met. So you didn't say a word to each other? No. You just were in the same area looking at each other? Yeah like a metre apart. (laughs) What happened after you left the academy? So obviously getting out of the academy is a weird experience in itself you sort of you've been trained to be this police officer but you've had a little bit of real world experience but not a lot of real world experience so you're just sort of thrown into the deep end and you lose all your support as well you obviously gain more support but that support that you've been through the academy with and spent every day with for the last however many months is no longer by your side so it can be quite scary and I think Tom and I definitely felt that just being each other's support and each other's rock throughout that academy experience it was something that we definitely felt I guess, and we're a little bit scared to mm. not spend each and every day with each other. Well, he's your best friend. Yeah, So I definitely. can imagine that having that contact for more than half a year would develop this bond where it's then very, very difficult to go your separate ways. So you do, I imagine, go into different, I'm going to get the word wrong here, but different police campuses. That's yeah. so yeah. wrong. <laughs> that is so incredibly wrong. But police stations. Yes, different police, police stations. stations yeah. You're apart. What happens after then? Are you messaging all day, every day? And how do you keep seeing each other or keep in contact? So we he continued to message me. And in saying that, I can obviously continued to message him as well. There was one stage where we went on a road trip together to visit one of our squaddies, so our mutual friend. And that was when it all changed for me again, like... The whole experience is something that you obviously... It's a weird experience because you know that it's wrong at the time, but it's probably a typical experience where you're going with your heart and not your head, and that's probably the first time, if ever, that I've really done that. And when we went on this road trip and we had spent the night together and it did just feel like just us two, and then going back home and going our separate ways and him going home to his girlfriend and me going home alone to be with my thoughts. (laughs) Um, It was probably the first time where my head kicked in and I really asked for space from him because it wasn't like, I guess throughout the academy experience, he was also stating that we really needed each other 
or he thought he believed that we needed each other throughout our careers um, just as support. And I ended up saying to him that I agree, I think we need each other as support for our careers, but like I'm in this career for the long run and I think a little bit of space may be good in the long term. Mm. So is that when things were called off or does it then continue? Because in your email to us you did mention hotel visits during the day and things like that. So how did that element of the relationship come into this? So that was, I guess the hotel visits was something that never went ahead, but it was something that was tossed around. And that's when it really started to feel like I was the other woman. It was more, it put more guilt on the situation and put more shame on the situation. And it made it feel more like a secret and more like it was wrong, which it was wrong. Earlier when we were chatting, you touched on how you couldn't speak to anyone about it. Like the only person you can talk to is Tom. And I wanted to read a quote of yours back to you when in your email, you said, I was ashamed of the mess I was in and therefore didn't have anyone to confide in, only Tom. I think that's why it went on for so long. When you're in something so dangerously deep, it's hard to get out of it without some outside perspective. Talk to us about this. Did you try to tell anyone or throughout all of this time, are you still only stuck in your own thoughts and in conversations with Tom? Yeah. So I did reach out to a few friends and I guess that's one of the reasons why I also wanted to come and speak to you guys about it because the more I ignore girlfriends that I told, the more turned around and was like, you know what, I've been in that situation before. And it's a situation where I think it happens so, like it happens a lot, but it's not commonly spoken about because, you know, no one wants to be that bad guy, that no one wants to be that that other woman when you were sleeping with Tom say you were having sex and afterwards you were lying in bed together what was going through your head I just want to take listeners in particular into that kind of headspace where it's like you are potentially in love with this person is that correct would you say you're in love with him or was it just a strong crush at the time it felt like love I hope that one day I will be in love and I will look back at this and be able to say, you know, that was not love. It was the environment and the situation that we were in that was heightening everything. But at the time, it did feel like that. And I guess the downfall and the heartbreak of it definitely did feel like that. Take us to that place then. So you've just had sex with each other, which I'm not sure how many times that happened, maybe a handful, maybe more. What was going through your head in the moments after? So we didn't get very far in terms of the physical side of things because my we would get to a certain stage and then it was like my mind would just go into overdrive and I would it was like my body would shut down as well and it was like this is so wrong it was almost like an addiction it was really a really strange experience to explain but we I guess wanted each other so badly at the time it felt like but there was something in me where that guilt would just sort of come over me And I just couldn't go through with anything more than what we were doing. Did you ever ask him why he was still with his girlfriend? Because he stayed with her throughout this entire thing. Did you ever wonder? Did you ever ask him? Yeah, of course. We would get to a stage where I would crack and all my questions would come out. And I would ask him, you know, where are you at with you? And I've saying the same thing for so long. And it did feel like so long at the time. And we were again going around in those circles and it was the same vicious cycle over and over. And I would ask him, what is going on with you two? And he would just give the same answers every time. He would say that he's confused and he is afraid to, I guess, start over given his age. 
and I think he was holding on to well, – he said it was so good at the start with him and her and I think he was hoping for that to come back. And, like, I honestly – I do hope that that has come back but I hope that the reason why it hasn't come back is because he had his fun with me in the meantime. Another passage from the email that you sent us read, he would call me one in a million. I can't tell you how confusing it is to have someone call you that and still not choose you at the end of the day. Can you elaborate on that a bit for us? Yeah, so he would give me all these compliments and he would say, you're one in a million or you're a breath of fresh air and he'd tell me, you know, don't ever change who you are and all these amazing things that people want to hear. Like they would love to hear those sort of things and was definitely something where it did confuse me because how can you say all these beautiful things to someone and say that you want to be with them but your actions say otherwise and in hindsight like where I am at the moment that's where it all all the questions come out like why was he saying those things what were his motives behind those things and then definitely in the downfall as well all those things that he liked about me were almost the things that sort of killed me the most like in that grieving period I guess when everything was over it was all those quirks that made him like me that's what I was hating about myself because I he those sort of quirks that I had were reminding me of him. How did it end? It ended one night where we had fooled around that night and we went our separate ways and again the same cycle and I went home and I just cried myself to sleep. It was so dramatic. (laughs) But at the same time, like, I look back at that moment and it's almost like I have an out-of-body experience and I just look at myself and I was so sad. And I just cried and cried and cried. And although, you know, one, I know there'll be moments in my life where it will feel like rock bottom, but at that point in time, it really did feel like a glimpse of rock bottom. And I knew that that's when I needed to stop because it was hurting when I was without him and it was hurting when I was with him and I was just not happy at all. How did he respond when you broke things off with him and how did you do it? Was it a phone call? Did you meet up at a cafe? How do you even stage that kind of breakup when it's almost not a breakup but it is? Yeah. So I attempted to call him the next day and he didn't answer and then that was it to be honest I never reached out to him again because I had I had done all my reaching out that cycle that we went through every time we tried to end it he would hear what I had to say and it wasn't making a difference and yes he could hear me but he his actions were saying otherwise and in the end I just felt like I couldn't explain myself to him and I just needed to really look after myself and he still reaches out from time to time and he will just not get a lot from me. Either I won't message back or won't answer the phone calls or the emails, but I'm not going to, like, I can't really apologise for what I've had to do to move on and with distance definitely comes some clarity and the further we get, the more I can sort of see how wrong it was and how much it was hurting me at the time and how worthless made me feel. Did you feel like your heartbreak was less legitimate because it was born from a relationship that was so secret and maybe so frowned upon? Yeah definitely I think when you're in a situation like that and 
whether it's done out of something that's you know not morally okay or whether it's just a situation ship as we call them I think you know you question how long you can continue to cry about this or how long you can continue to fuss over it and you know talk about it to your girlfriends because how long are they going to continue to care when it's something that it probably shouldn't have happened in the first place and it was something that you know wasn't official or wasn't declared real I guess. How long was the affair element going for? How many months was it? So we just started in March and then ended in October. So And it's been about four months now. How are you feeling four months down the track? I feel a lot better. I definitely during that, again, grieving, I don't want to call it a grieving time, but it really did feel like a grieving time. I definitely went to some dark places in my mind. And like what I mentioned before, those bits that he loved about me, I began to hate about myself. And it is like, as we spoke about before, it is confusing when someone tells you that all these beautiful things, but still don't choose you in the end. And so I did go to some pretty dark places in my mind, but moving forward, I've so I've overcome a lot of those, but there's still a lot of guilt and shame associated. And it's hard because I won't necessarily get my answers either. Not because we're not on talking terms, but when something's based on so much secrecy and so many lies, it's hard to determine what is real and what is not real and what is said in truth and what is not true. How does it feel now knowing that he is still with his girlfriend? I guess it hurts. Um, It hurts because, again, it doesn't... You don't know if it was real or not. And, like, I'm sitting here and I'm... I still hurt over the situation but you don't see that same hurt from his side and whether he's experiencing that in his own personal environment, I don't know, but it also hurts to know that maybe we're not on the same level or we were never on the same level and maybe I fell in a little bit too deep over my head. Have you ever considered telling her knowing that she's still with him and perhaps doesn't know? No, I have been asked that before. I don't consider, I I have never considered telling her because it's not my place to tell her. And I know that it also wasn't my place to, you know, be with him either, not being in that relationship. But it's, he needs to take responsibility if he wants to tell her. And I believe that you don't really know what's going on in a relationship unless you're in it. And who's to say that he hasn't already told her and they're moving on? It seems to me like you've taken on a lot of the emotional burden here and that you feel very guilty and still very upset about what happened months later. Do you think Tom feels any of that? Do you think he's thinking about what happened between you or that he's feeling guilty like you are or that he's taken any of this on? I would like to think so just because we're all human and like how could you – go against your morals and your values like that and not feel some sort of guilt. It's, I guess, on guilt, it sort of scares me moving forward, thinking that this is sort of a situation or a relationship that has definitely taught me so much. And then moving forward and starting to date again and it scares me a little having to tell that story on... Because it it did teach me so much, but now this is a story that I'm going to have to tell for, you know, ever... (laughs) 
if Tom turned around today and said, I've left my girlfriend, I want to do this, I want to make it work, what would you do? I think there would be a lot of trust issues just because I've like that rock bottom glimpse that I had. It was pretty scary and to go back there without working through, we would have a lot to work through, that's for sure. And I would have to be in the right mind frame. But to be honest, I don't think I would go back there. What would you tell someone who's listening to this who would hear maybe just a top line summary of what has happened and potentially judge you for being what we're calling like the other woman? What would you want to tell them? I guess I would want to tell someone that whatever you're feeling towards the other woman, I guarantee she's probably feeling the exact same thing and we're all human, we all make our own mistakes and I think as long as you're learning from them, that's the main thing. And like my mistake was something where I wasn't and I'm not morally okay with it and it definitely went against my values but I think it's hard to speak on behalf of someone who hasn't been in that situation also. How do you feel about love going forward? You speak about going and dating again. Do you feel hopeful? Yes, I feel hopeful. Um, I think you can only feel hopeful. I guess you don't want to walk away from a situation like that and think that all men are bad because they're not, only some of them. (laughs) But yeah, you want to be hopeful and you want to look forward to things. And, you know, as I said, I hope that one day I have something where I can look back to the situation that I had with Tom and think, you know, I thought that was love, but this is what love is. And someone who chooses you and only you. Yeah, I don't think that it should be so full of shame and so full of guilt and questions and, you know, you shouldn't have any doubt. Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We'll be back in your ears for the last episode of Season 2 on Friday. Oh, 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 oh.